welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with George and Claire from the Shuffle Up Against Games. Last year, they launched and successfully funded their first game, Monster Voices, a party game guaranteed to generate monster laughs at your next game night. George, Claire, welcome to the binge. How you doing? Thank you, James. Hey. Oh, it's great. We're doing good. Great to have you guys on the binge. Uh, we met actually at Breakout Con, so that, this is like our second time getting a uh, chance to talk, but that was... Uh, Pretty cool to uh, to share that event with you guys. How did the event go for you guys? Did you have a lot of fun? It was, it was sweet. Yeah, it was our first board game conference. We've done a couple of comic cons, but it was so awesome just being able to talk shop with people. Like We kind of jumped into the whole Kickstarter thing without really knowing what we were doing or anything. Yeah. So meeting people like you who have been you know around that a few times, it's really cool. There's, there's a lot to learn about it. Yeah. yeah it was, we had a great time. Now, are, are you guys people. local to the Ontario area or... Yeah. Um, yeah. We live in Toronto. I've been living in Toronto for a long time. I was born in Toronto and grew up here. George is a little more exotic, but uh, he's been living here for a while too. So what's the accent, George? Where, where, where's your home country? It's a bit of a mix. Uh, I grew up in England, but uh, my dad's side is Australian. Yeah. So I think there's probably a little bit of that in there. More and Aussie spent, in there than English for sure. Yeah. Maybe. I spent five years in Costa Rica too. Oh, wow. I don't know if that had any impact, but yeah. Well, that, that's where you get relaxed, right? That That's kind of the chill. <laughs> that's it. That just slows probably... everything down. I think. <laughs> I yeah. Pura Vida. Yeah. And then how did you guys yeah. meet? Where, where did you guys meet? Uh, get together? Yeah, we actually met 10 years ago teaching sailing together. We're both sailing instructors in the summer. Wow. And yeah, we met and we'd sort of kept in touch throughout. Like we, you know, we'd bump into each other. George is a musician. So I'd seen a lot busking in Kensington. Um, but uh, I mean, now we're dating and we've been dating for three years since COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of by chance. It was sort of a funny story. I uh, basically when COVID first happened and lockdown happened, I wrote a Facebook status, which I never do, about my thoughts on life and quarantine and finding what's essential and being an artist. And and George happened to see it, which was also by chance because he's never on Facebook and often, you know, removes. I should just reinstalled my Facebook because I wanted to post a video I made during uh, COVID. So yeah, and then happened yeah. to see that, and then and then he, you know, shot me a message a couple of weeks later. And he was like, "Hey, you know, a bunch of what you said has been sort of." going around my brain and you know these are a whole bunch of my thoughts and then we had a long back and forth for a while about our thoughts on lots of different things <laughs> now you guys are both are you both so you said artists so uh you know george is a musician and, and uh, claire what's what's your art form i'm an actor an actor wow Claire's also an awesome writer and musician as well. Oh, too, but she uh, multi-talented. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. kind of cool having kind of two artists kind of uh, linking up in in this way, right? So, and then what what, what do you play, uh, George? Is it is a guitar or what, what's your music? I play bass. I play a stand-up bass mostly. I also play a bit of electric bass, but uh, yeah, primarily I went to school for jazz upright bass. Oh, no, in uh, sorry, in in Canada, where'd you go to school for, uh, for? Yeah, I went to Humber. I did the Humber oh, music okay. program. Wow. Yeah, back I've graduated in 2015. Then I was a gigging musician pretty much from 2015 until COVID hit. And then, you know, obviously everything gets shut down. And I feel like you kind of have to like channel that energy in different directions. I think that's when we started writing. And that's when, you know, we just had a lot of extra energy to make board games and do all this other yeah. dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those of our listeners that are around the world, and we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast and in the past. 
um, you know, Canada had very strict regulations, right? Uh, during COVID, yeah. like we were locked down, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like there was warnings. Yeah. You were not yeah. allowed to leave your house uh, for certain chunks of the year. And uh, so, you know, now everything is open back up and, you know, people are starting to travel. But even last year, I, I missed most of the, the cons last year because it, the, yeah. the travel was so difficult still to try to get across the border with all these kind of totally. checks and balances and so forth. So it's, uh, I, I got to imagine that having each other during that, you know, that difficult time in, in, in this world history must have been uh, almost kind of a relief at the same time, right? It was awesome. Yeah. And I think we found out which games work really well with two people as well. That <laughs> yeah. was like a big thing. We played a lot of games. And what kind of games yeah, do you guys usually play? I think our biggest one is Dutch Blitz. That one for us, uh, it never gets boring. There's always a new, like it's such a simple game, but there's always like a story within it. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of speed, a lot of visual processing, a lot of, uh, you know. Yeah, it's hard to explain because it's so, have you played Dutch Blitz? I have not, no. Okay. So it's basically just a speed game. You have like piles, uh, almost like solitaire piles, but they're a communal and you're trying to play your cards on them faster than the other person. Mm. But there's something about it. It's, I think it's, is it an Amish game or a Meta Knight is a Meta Knight game. Are you playing in like in sequence or is it like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just pawn them up. Um, but a bunch of my friends in high school, one of my friends came from a Meta Knight family. So he randomly knew about it. And then I guess Claire's family randomly knew about it as well. Yeah. It's just so good. There's something about it where, it, yeah, it always feels like there's like a different storyline to it, even yeah. though it's so basic. Like we, we actually started a spreadsheet and we started keeping <laughs> stats on all our Dutch Blitz games. So Claire's ridiculously good at it. I win maybe like, you know, 10% of the time or something, but it's how much does she beat me by? And we had sort of, you know, based on the time of day, which room <laughs> we were playing in, what color she was versus what color I was, whether we ate breakfast before it was. Yeah. We, As it got, you can tell, we had nothing going on in COVID. <laughs> Looking for any kind of edge you can get, I guess, statistically. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I started, I started sitting in a higher chair at one point because I thought if I was like at a better end, angle i'd be a little bit more competitive and that that worked at least in my head for we called bit, it but... the high chair dynasty yeah, was... <laughs> now were you guys uh, playing games even like when you're younger uh, growing up or is this something kind of more when you're in school like when did you start kind of getting into gaming yeah i played a lot of cards when i was a kid i played a lot of cribbage um played a lot of hearts and then i lived i had three roommates for about five years and we got really into dc deck builder I don't know if you know that one, but it's uh, it's by Cryptozoic. Yeah. It's a deck building game. And oh my God, we played just thousands of games of it. Like we got, it's one of those ones where you can get, you know, all the expansions. And then once you have all the expansions, then you start saying, oh, this card doesn't work and we need to replace this. And you start making your own house rules. So it's really, yeah, that we, we went pretty deep with that one. We still get together pretty often to play that. So that was a big one for me. What were you, Claire? Oh, my household, growing up, it was sort of the, the you know, the, the standard classics like Sori and Parcheesi and Life and stuff like that. Um, cribbage and cards, too. Um, but yeah, just growing up and meeting other people or going to board game cafes and sort of getting, you know, seeing a whole array of other other different games and styles. It's funny when you hear different people with their accents, uh, Catan or Catan, right? And, and, and Sorry versus Sorry, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> us in Canada, yeah, we say Sorry, sorry right? But uh, sorry. Yeah. unless you're Justin Bieber yeah. and he goes to States and all of a sudden he starts saying Sorry, but it's, uh, it's <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, that's that's cool. So, and then, so now, you, you know, together as a couple, you're, 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 you know, deck builders and you're playing more modern games and it's still having cards kind of influence that what then led you guys to this idea of 
you know, we could probably create a game, you know, where we're, we're playing games, you know, maybe there's something we could do ourselves. What kind of inspired that? It's kind of a funny story. So we, again, you could tell we, we had a lot of time on our hands. as I'm sure you've gathered already, <laughs> but um, it actually wasn't monster voices. Wasn't even the first game we made during mm. the pandemic. We made another one. Um, I don't know how much to get into it because it's possible. We might still end up publishing that, but basically it was very different, very different. It was, it was kind of a word game. Okay. Um, and we we made our own copy of it and we you know printed out all the cards at staples and cut them up. And that one actually started from a dream yeah. that I had because we were playing a lot of Dutch Blitz and a lot of Bananagrams. And it was a dream that sort of mixed the two together. Mm. And I woke up and I was like, George, it was a dream of Dutch Blitz and Bananagrams. Like we should make a game from this. And then we sort of obviously the dream is like absurd, you know, you don't really, but we created our own rules. Yeah. And found our own uh, sort of lovely mix of, of speed of creating words. And yeah. Yeah. It's called word mamba. It might be, it might be in the pipe at some point. This was fun <laughs> making this one. But anyway, so through that, we, uh, we made that game and it was playable and we took it. We ended up going to a cottage with some friends. Mm. We sort of, you know, all did COVID tests and we were bubbled up and then went and we played a bunch of this game and it was like super fun. And like, the game was fun, but it was also extremely fun seeing people play something you'd made being, you know, yeah. I've got this whole new experience to bring. So we got kind of hooked on that. And then we were going to another cottage um, a few months later with the same group of friends. We're like, oh, it'd be really cool to have another game to bring. Um, and at the same time, we had, you know, we were just kind of trying to do anything. We're stuck in this tiny apartment, the two of us. So we were just trying to do kind of anything to pass the time. And at one point we'd I think we downloaded, we had this idea to download a cartoon in a language we didn't speak. I think it was like, was it like, you know, Turkish or something like that? Sure. So we download the cartoon and we were like, oh, it'd be fun. We'll like make up our own voices because I had a little microphone for recording. So I was like, we'll make up our own voices and what they're going to say and like write a script and like, you know, voice this cartoon. And in the process of doing it, I think like we realized the the making up what they were going to say wasn't very fun because it's kind of obvious in a cartoon you can see you know they're just doing this and yeah. then they're doing that so that was kind of not that much fun but making up the voices was hilarious yeah so um we kind of just isolated that and then we started being like oh we just you know pull up google images be like oh does this one sound like this you know i do like do whatever voice for it <laughs> and that became a kind of a thing and then we're like oh it'd be cool to just print some of these out and just like you know practice like can you identify which one i am from the voice i'm like claire am i this one or this one and i do a voice and it was like oh you can actually do this it's like crazy how much just from seeing an image how much you can kind of intuit about how that monster would sound you know would it be fast or slow would it be guttural would it be big or small you know there's like mm. what what kind of what mood does it have yeah. and we're like oh there's something to that yeah and so we actually made like a janky sort of prototype with google image monsters cut them all up brought it to this cottage and and then it was amazing seeing like how much fun everyone was having and you know, everyone, like George was saying, you can sort of look at a monster and have an idea of what it would sound like, but it's still so open to interpretation and seeing different friends do different, different, you know, pick out different elements of different monsters and, um, you know, or some people who were terrible at voices and would do the same voice for every monster yeah. was equally hilarious. Yeah. Um, was there any changes that you guys made uh, as a result of that initial test, like at the cottage when you're, when you're taking it up and Definitely. I think, I think we were kind of, we didn't really have like a strict idea of what the rules would be as we brought it up. We was just kind of, it was almost was like an activity and we sort of hemmed out the point system and, mm. you know, are you allowed to see the person while they do it? How many repeats do they get? All of these things. I think there was a moment where I was like, 
I kind of got like a bit of a shiver where I was like, oh, this might actually be something when like people started fighting about one of the voices. Someone was like, oh, it's this monster. Like, no, you idiot. It's this monster. And everyone was getting like, you know, passionate about it. And it was just that that's the feeling where it's like, oh, this is actually something where people it's like bringing something out. You know, it was like creating this like like we were dying, like we were crying. We ended up playing it like two or three times because everyone was even though we had like, you know, enough monsters to do like three rounds and half of them were like you know, turds with eyes and stuff like that. It ended up being, uh, yeah, it was really fun. Um, but in terms of rule changes, what the main thing was that these were these were like Google image monsters. So we knew we couldn't make the game using these because sure. they were uh, they were not like public domain and we didn't own them or anything like that. Do you remember how much the... Well, we came up with a whole like other mode of playing as well. Oh, yeah. Because um, there's a party mode, which is great for bigger groups. And then there's a run the gauntlet mode, which is sort of instead of each person in the circle doing voices, one person does sort of all the voices and everyone else collaboratively guesses which monster you are. Um, and that one came about from a cottage trip. We're like, you know what? There's actually a lot of different ways you could play this game. Mm. And even since, you know, we published the game and some of our friends bought it, some of them would create their own rules to, for it too. So I think there's actually a nice flexibility with like, you know, being creative with the way that you enjoy the game. Um, but uh, yeah, we decided to write in this this new sort of method of playing, um, which would also be good, better for two people playing the game, or if there's like one brave voice actor in the house. And because I think too, we notice, you know, even though in the regular version there's one guesser, everyone else is still secretly guessing. So you know, it's fun if you can actually be collaborative too and have that as an option. Yeah, yeah, I gotta um, imagine there's. With, and we'll get into the game in a second, but a, a game like this where you have, you know, to put you have to put yourself out there, right? And and you know when they talk about people's fears in life, right? I think they said like, like f- public speaking is is actually right up there with you know fear of death, right? <laughs> like people are afraid to speak in front of others and be the center of attention, right? And here you have a game where you're very much encouraging that very positive from a icebreaker standpoint and, and, you know, getting people out of their shells and things like that, which I think is amazing, but you are always going to run into these mixed bag of people that are going to play the game. All right. And so having rules that can kind of be flexible and tailor based on the kind of audience you have too, sounds kind of like a good, uh, good adaptation that allows you to kind of even, you know, target even more people at this game. Totally. The way I see it, there's kind of like a quadrant of like people who think they're going to be really good at it and are great at it. Then like people who think they're going to be bad and bad, but then there's people who think they're going to be bad and they just surprise you with the most like incredible voices. And then there's people who think they're going to be so good. And then they sound the exact same for every monster. So it's kind of, it's kind of a, you can't lose situation. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. like sometimes the people who are the most shy come out with just these ridiculous kind of out of nowhere voices occasionally certainly the hidden actors come out yeah yeah exactly they find something they didn't know about yeah or yeah shy people in a group can be sort of brought out if there's you know some people that are really gung-ho about it and you know can kind of influence the group a little but you are right we've we've definitely had like especially you know we're doing a lot of uh conventions and stuff and we you know pull people into play like we're not shy to say come try this game and you know you sometimes say okay so you're going to do a voice for this monster and it looks like like you've just like told them that they're going to prison or something they just go white and it's like you've like put them in this uh, then nightmare scenario and it's like sometimes you feel them you're like should i let them off the hook or should i you know follow through with this and see if you know they enjoy it yeah 
Yeah, and sometimes they surprise themselves. Yeah. So the game's called Monster Voices. I'm just going to kind of scroll over my screen here so people can see it. They're watching either live or on the replay. Um, so walk us through this game. I think they've got just just some some of the the hints we've been kind of uh, you know saying along here. But walk us through how does Monster Voices work? And this was on Kickstarter originally, right? So you guys launched this on last was it last year? I think is when this campaign closed, or was it the year before? Yeah, yeah. basically a year ago. Uh, yeah. A year ago now, it was yeah. on Kickstarter, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it finished in May. Nice. So uh, yeah, so it was on Kickstarter a year ago. I don't know. Are you seeing? Are you seeing the box and stuff? Or yeah, you... yeah, we've got all on the screens. So, oh yeah, so, so people can see on the screen. So we got the monster voices. I'm, I'm scrolling over. We got the grid of nine. So walk us through kind of how to play this game because it's it's really cool. So I want people to kind of get a a sense for how this works. Yeah, perfect. So basically, um, you got a group of people, up to 10 people can play. One person begins as monster spotter. So their job is to listen to the other people's voices and try and identify which monster they are. Everyone else gets secretly assigned a monster. If you can see the grid of nine, mm -hmm. they'd be assigned one of those nine monster cards with a card, uh, one of those nine monsters with a card that points at one of them. And then you go around the circle and when it's their turn, they have to read a quote card. So I don't know, a quote card might be like, don't touch that, that's my lunch. Or, you know... Uh, Elizabeth, I'm coming! Yeah, exactly. There's a there's a bunch of quotes. And they got to read it in the voice of their monster. So you get sometimes a really ridiculous juxtaposition between these like Shakespearean quotes or whatever and these like weird, strange, line-drawn monsters our friend Sean drew. And uh, they get one chance to read the card and then the monster spider has to try and point to which monster they are. If they guess it correctly, they, the monster spider gets two points for guessing them right and the person who got guessed gets two points for being guessed right. Mm. Then you go around, everyone gets a chance. Everyone who didn't get guessed gets a new quote card, and they get a second chance for one point. And then you go and you move, and the next person becomes the monster spotter. So basically, everyone gets a chance to be monster spotter, so they get a round where they guess everyone else's voices, and they get um, as many chances as there are people to do different monster voices. And you deal out nine new monsters every round. How many monsters are in this box? Because it looks like there's like a massive number of monsters in this box 309 i believe oh let's check the box i think there's 308 claire claire's overselling it yeah <laughs> she's trying to she's trying to get one over on you yeah um, but some some over 300 wow you can see they're all individually drawn right like these this is an yeah. ai this is somebody actually drew these no someone drew them yeah. they don't exist they're not like actual monsters that exist in other media like our, our friend sean just has been doodling them for years um <laughs> And a lot of them he actually drew. It's it's um it's an interesting story. His his daughter was um when her his daughter was born, she had um a liver disease mm -hmm. and she was in the hospital for a while. And so he was also in the hospital for a while with her. And you know, in his time in the waiting room, just waiting around in the hospital, he'd doodle a lot of monsters and uh, he has hundreds and hundreds. So was this a back catalog that he dipped into or did yeah. he, did, did in, were they in a digital format already or did he have to go and scan them or how, how did that kind of... Yeah, so, so the way it kind of worked, yeah. um, I know Sean, I play in a band with uh, Sean's wife, Kat is one of my really good friends. So I knew just in the back of my head that Sean had been doing this project for years because I'd, I'd sort of talked to Kat and she'd mentioned it. Mm -hmm. um, and we made this game and I just sort of said, 
hey, Sean, like we're making this game. I don't know if the muscles would be a good fit, but would you be down if I'd like check it out? And he just sent me this. It's one illustrator file and it's just massive. It's like the size you could make it into like wallpaper in a bedroom. And they're just these tiny little monsters and you zoom in and there were literally probably when I got it, probably like a thousand. And now there's probably like 1200, 1300, 1400. And I just started going through and I was like, oh my God, this one's hilarious. This one would be perfect. This one, and basically all of them just had this like incredible vibe. Yeah. So, and that actually really kickstarted us to want to make this game. Like, mm. I mean, we to to actually get it going because we were looking at them and we're giggling so hard. We're yeah. like, oh my god, they all have their own vibes. They all have their own little personalities and such a unique style. And just scrolling through them, that kind of lit a fire in us. Like, you know what? Now's the time to make it. Like, let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's yeah. make the actual. How much of a gap thing. was there between that initial cottage uh, trial? And then when you met with your, your colleague and went through with his, his, his doodles. Yeah. So basically it was actually, it's pretty interesting. What happened is we, so we made the first game word Mamba, right. Yeah. And then we kind of went through this process. Um, we kind of wanted to see the process of getting it made. So we thought the way to do that would be, to, it's kind of funny looking back on it, but the way to do that would just be to reach out to all these game companies. So we reached out to the company that makes Dutch Blitz. We reached out to the company that makes, you know, DC deck builder, like just all the sure. ones we knew about, right? And we found this big list online and we reached out to all of them and they were all sort of lukewarm. They're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Some of them wanted a print and play. So we like made one of those, sent them to them and they checked it out. And they're like, it's not for us right now. And then we, and then we made Monster Voices. We did the same thing and they hated it. They like did not like Monster Voices at all. I think we got- Someone was like, this is an activity, not a game. Yeah, someone was like, this doesn't even qualify as a game. So so that kind of like took the window Ouch. of our sales a bit. And I think, <laughs> yeah, it sucked. So we like put it on the back burner. We're like, okay, maybe we don't know what we're doing at all. And then like, I think like nine months went by and uh, I was just, I was playing Word Mom, but I was thought, oh, it'd be cool to get Word Mom going. So I was playing it with my friend and we were sort of game testing it a little bit. And he's like, you know, this is good but you should really be focusing on monster voices. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And then that's when we reached out to Sean, mm. he sent the thing, or he'd maybe sent it to us a while back, but we hadn't looked at it. And then we opened it up. We're like, oh my God, these are perfect. So then it went pretty quickly from there. We like, I think we printed it. We went to the print shop near us, printed out just a mock version with a bunch of Sean's monsters. And then we took it to his house so he could see the game and sort of showed him and he really liked it. And then we just, within about, we probably had the Kickstarter going like within like a month or two yeah. after that. It was pretty quick. We were just like bang, bang, bang. We got a prototype made. Um, with that yeah. with Game Crafter in the US. They made a beautiful prototype for us. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. The Game Crafter is great. Yeah. We talk about them all the time on the podcast. And mm. so good. Yeah. And, and that's a good, good example of so you've got, uh, you know, a game you, you've obviously enjoyed with your friends at, at your cottage is proof of concept there. People are having fun, which is a good barometer of <laughs> whether your game is good or yeah. not. And then you 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 connect with Sean, right? And, you, and you've got kind of artwork to make this into like an actual game. And a lot of people can stop there. Like that's fine, right? You get your your game crafter prototype, and then you've got you know a polished game that you can take to game nights and play and so forth. It's another yeah. step to say, okay, now we're going to put this on Kickstarter and go right. through that whole grind, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, it's not fun, and uh, you know it's yeah. punishing. And so what kind of made you do that leap and say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take a shot at this. We were a little lucky. Um, the other thing about Sean, what Sean does for his job is he is a, uh, he's a YouTuber. So he actually has like, 
I don't know what it's at now, but some amount of millions, like 8 million subscribers, mm-hmm. something like that. So he's like, a, that's his job. So as part of that, he gets a, um, he gets a booth for free at Comic-Con and Fan Expo every year in Toronto. Sweet. So he had this booth and we started playing the game with him and he was like, dude, this is so sick. He got like really stoked on it. And he said, why don't we do this? I'll just like set aside a part of my booth and it can be like the Monster Voices preview uh area so and then that kind of got us going so we had this prototype we had the preview area we had these like little giveaways we ended up getting a poster printed and that was kind of a kick in the butt to be like oh we need to like get these people signing up for a mailing list so we basically said we're going to be launching the kickstarter and that got i think that's why we did it so quickly is we really wanted to get it going so that we could capitalize on having this booth at comic-con and maybe having like you know a few hundred people we thought play it and ended up being like thousands we ended up getting like like maybe 300 people on the mailing list wow. or something who are like interested in the Kickstarter. I mean, you know, yeah. very few of them signed up, but, but like that people were interested at least. And there was some amount of kind of energy in it. Like, I think that that was what gave us mm-hmm. that push. Cause you're totally right. It would be easy to spend like three years just sort of messing around being like, Oh, we could tweak it a little bit, but that made us like, let's do it now. Like that yeah. felt like strike while the iron's hot. And it was interesting, too, because at Comic-Con, getting a chance to play with a bunch of strangers, which we'd only played it with our friends who are, you know, in in their 20s, um, we saw a whole new demographic of people who actually really loved the game, Uh, that being children, um, kids, Mm -hmm. I mean, all sorts of people, but, you know. Um, we, we hadn't really expected that making it or, or, you know, so that was a really nice surprise. So how Um, clean is the content? Because you have all these different sayings you have to say, like, is it something you could uh play with kids or would you have to take stuff out of the the box no it's all good it's like it's it's, some of it's you know i'd say a little tiny bit like i think the card that always makes me blush a little bit when like a kid comes up at comic-con is uh, there's one that says that's not what my proctologist said so that's it that's about it (laughs) but i think they wouldn't know what that is anyway and plus it's a perfectly legitimate profession (laughs) that's true (laughs) so you know so i think but no there's not it's kid friendly luckily we kind of we we had that in mind after comic-con we thought yeah yeah, make it clean sure how many copies did you guys end up making so you funded i think you did over eleven thousand, some around there um, so again, congratulations on funding your Thank Kickstarter. You. Cause again, that is, Thanks, you're, man. you're part of a club now, right? Because there's one thing to launch a game and there's another thing to actually get it funded. So congrats on that. How many games did thrill, you guys yeah. get made and, and who made them? We did a thousand. A thousand was a magic craft or what did you guys use? Uh, with Wingo. Wingo. Okay. Um, yeah. Our experience with Wingo is honestly phenomenal. Like it's one of those things we, we did a lot of. I don't know how candid to be, but we did a lot. We really wanted to get it made in uh, Canada. Okay, That was like a big thing. We wanted to do it in Canada. We thought if we did it locally and we went through, we probably wasted like five or six months just trying, going to all these places. And we thought, you know, you'd think you finally found somewhere and they're like, oh, it's going to take an extra, you know, six weeks because we have to get all the bits shipped from China. We just print it there and then sell it to you. It's like, what? This is like, yeah. you know, no one actually, it turns out prints here and anyone would have told us that, but we kind of had to figure it out for ourselves. Yeah. So, but then going to China, it's like you, it's hard because you can't communicate in real time with people. You can't go and visit, you can't go see it. You just have to kind of trust. Yeah. But the, the work they did was phenomenal. So much, the mm-hmm. attention to detail, just little things we didn't even think of where they're like, Oh, we're going to make these cards thicker because they get, you know, cause they're going to get, you know, dirty or whatever, or we're going to put in a little bag for the tokens or, you know, they recommended we make the box like six centimeters shorter. So everything fit tight and just um, all these like incredible mm-hmm. things, just real, real care. And like, they, they went above and beyond. So I couldn't say enough good things about working with them. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching a blog. I was trying to think who it was. Um, 
I think it's Jim Hudson that uh, was doing uh, one of his uh, video blogs. He was talking about uh, manufacturing and how, you know, often people say, you know, hey, why are you making this locally? Why isn't this made in Canada or made in the United States? You know what? You know, why are you sending overseas to China? Is it just so you can get cheaper prices? And the answer is, the reality is that's where the expertise is, guys, right? Like all the the the, yeah. the most high-end equipment in, in board game manufacturing is in China. There's mm -hmm. entire, con I mean, with last week we had the, the CEO of long pack games uh, on our podcast, right? You know, he's constantly investing, right. And looking for ways, new machinery he can add to bring internal capabilities into his facility. And then right. he is within a, you know, several kilometer radius of another bunch of factories that make components and so forth that he include in his game. So the expertise are there. And even if you wanted to make some of these games locally, it's not about price. It's about the quality. You might not be able to actually even get the same quality that you get from, you know, going with say a long pack or a sky game or, uh, or whatever, you know, game land or one of these companies. So magic craft sure. is another one too. Right. So I think that, uh, th there's a lot of misconceptions out there uh, about that. Um, hundred percent. Yeah. Cause we, we kind of had a plan. We found a way to do it that, you know, seemed feasible. And it was like, when we actually looked at it, we were down to making 200 games and they, instead of being in like nice solid boxes, they were going to be in these tea boxes and we were going to have to pack them ourselves. And, and then the cars were going to go. And then it turns out they'd made a mistake on the quote and it was actually twice like, as much as they said. It was, more. <laughs> it was like five times as much. Yeah. And like, and you just yeah. wanted to like put your head in your hands and cry. It was like, it was really, I mean, it was good. I'm glad that we really like shook every tree we could think mm -hmm. of. So we really satisfied ourselves that we were doing the right thing because obviously there is like environmental um, stuff associated with it. And that's not ideal, yeah. but it really was the only option to get the game made the way we wanted to in an economical fashion. I'd know? say probably the best way if you're doing like really small quantities, right? hundred games or 200 games. Print and play or, or game crafter are probably the two that come to mind for me where mm -hmm. you can literally make them yeah. locally. Right. And they do uh, Kickstarters for some people they are looking for like ultra low quantities, but even like a JT Smith of game crafter will say, you know, once you start getting up around a thousand games, we're, we're not your company, right? You should be going oh, to a larger yeah. manufacturer, right? We, we specialize yeah. in, in, in small runs. Right. So, right. Uh, yeah. so now, I mean, you guys have created this game, your game company now, right? Officially. Yes. Um, so they say. And you mentioned this other game. So what's next? Like, is it, are you going to do that other game or is there another game you're working on or kind of what have you guys kind of mapped out as your, your plan going forward? Um, I mean, right now we're really focused on Monster Voices, getting the word out, finding distributors, um, finding ways to, yeah, get it, get it across. Cause we genuinely think, you know, it's a lot of people will love it and it'll make a lot of people happy and laugh. And, um, so that's our main priority. And, but you know, Word Mamba is, is still there. It's still on the back burner and we haven't turned that gas off. So, um, yeah. There's also the 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 kind of nature of monster voices makes it really really friendly to like expansions just because of like mm. all you got to do is just put in new monsters right yeah. like we we have ideas of you know I mean Sean has been drawing he's never stopped with these monsters so we have probably like a hundred more of his monsters that are just hilarious that we're like we wish we could have included these but he drew them after we printed the games and then you know we have ideas of collaborating with other artists and there's like. Monster Voices XL, we've thought of. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot yeah. of things. We're just or kind even of catching up translating them into other languages because all you need to do is translate the quotes or come up with new quotes in different languages. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So for people who want to check this game out, uh, they can find you on your website, which I believe is monstervoicesgame.com. 
Is that correct? You got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I'll put yeah. a link in the show notes, regardless. So if someone just goes in the show notes and or even the bottom of this video, you'll be able to see uh, a link to the webpage. They can go check it out. They want to grab a copy. I'm sure you guys would be more than happy to sell them one. And uh, oh, yeah. you know what, guys? I want to wish you all the best on this game. Uh, it is oh, so man. clever. When I saw it at uh, at BreakoCon, I thought, "Wow, what a what an amazing idea!" I was so happy to be oh, able to actually get you guys on this podcast to talk about. It. I want to wish you thanks for having us. Thanks man. So it's been a much, pleasure. James. No worries. Great to talk to you. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.